You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Martin Luther King Jr. Day edition of the podcast, a Monday edition, if you will. A lot to get to on today's edition of Locked On Cougars. We'll recap the weekend that was in BYU sports. BYU basketball picking up the sweep of the weekend by beating USF. We'll talk about what to take away from that outing. We'll also talk about former Cougars and the pros, how they performed in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And we'll begin another one of our debriefings for BYU football with the offensive line. We'll talk about the hog mollies up front, what to take away from a number of them who are departing the program, where does the future look for BYU. We'll get to all of that ahead on today's show. Our title sponsor today is our good friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Save yourself 20% on your next order at BuiltBar.com. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later on in the show. All right, there you go. That's the rundown of where we're going today. Let's get to it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for January 18th. 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking some time to download your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports with us here. I hope you guys have all had a great weekend enjoying the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. If you had the day off, great. Uh, Otherwise, hope you guys had a good day at work regardless and you're having a great day wherever you might be listening in from. Getting started on today's show, uh, we're going to talk about BYU basketball. The Cougars go to USF on Saturday and almost it felt like a repeat of the first half at uh, St. Mary's on Thursday. Thursday night. BYU struggled on offense. USF really kind of took them out of their their sets, what they were trying to run. And BYU struggled in the first half. I believe it was 20, yeah, 26 points in the first half. They trailed San Francisco by one point. The nice part is BYU's defense right now, folks, has been absolutely stellar. They held down St. Mary's. They've now held down San Francisco. And in the second half, BYU got on track to offensively, put up 46 points in the second half to race to a 72 to 63 victory. Over the USF Dons, that puts BYU at 11-3 on the season, now 2-1 in West Coast Conference play. And the upcoming slate of games for BYU actually are pretty favorable. The Cougars could really pile up some wins here. And if they continue to pile up wins, I wonder how long it is before they get actual national attention with regards to the national polls. The good news is, is the bracketologists, guys like Joe Lunardi out there, Jerry Palm, etc., they believe BYU is a tournament-caliber team right now. Trying to break down and pin where BYU is going to be slotted in that. That's a that's just that's a guess at this point. But the nice part is BYU's getting that attention, and you're seeing them rated as high as maybe a nine seed. I think Lunardi had them as a twelve seed. But regardless, it's nice to see BYU getting some respect. The good news is. BYU's got a run-up here of games. The next three games, they should be favored to win. They're going to host Portland Thursday night. Then they'll host Pepperdine Saturday before turning around and going to Malibu to face off against Pepperdine in a rescheduled game. And then it's USF, a rematch against them at home on January 30th. So... Coming up here, folks, there's only a couple of games in here that it feels like BYU will have any question of. I know that Ken Pomeroy, I saw some articles out there, has favored BYU in the majority of their next 10 games until they face Gonzaga in the regular season finale or what is supposed to be scheduled for the regular season finale. But 
if BYU, let's say they're, they were, pick up oh, every win from here on out, they're going to have 20 plus wins and just three losses. At that point, BYU would absolutely be ranked. Of course, you're going to have to beat USF again. You'll have to beat St. Mary's in that run. You have two games like Pacific, hopefully. You have LMU in there, Santa Clara. The big one against Gonzaga at the end of the season is an absolutely gigantic clash for BYU. But the nice part is the Cougars should have 20 plus wins and should be a shoe in to make the NCAA tournament based on if everything goes according to plan here. Obviously, nothing is ever guaranteed. BYU has to keep themselves healthy. They got to keep playing at a high level. There's there's a lot to be uh, determined, and what ultimately could play out for BYU with that is that if they were to have some more injuries, or they find themselves falling flat on their face against a team the caliber would say of a Portland this Thursday, you lose to a San Diego or, or a Pacific. The programs that are down, that are at the bottom half of the West Coast Conference, you cannot afford to have any stumbles against those teams this time of year. You have to go out and really just run away with victories in those games and just show the NCAA tournament committee that yes, we are a good program. We can grind out wins and we can win with flair if we have to. I think BYU has gotten through a tough opening stretch to go Gonzaga, St. Mary's, San Francisco, all three of those games on the road to open West Coast Conference play. That's a very tough gauntlet to run and the nice part is BYU came out of it 2-1. and one. So I'm very encouraged with BYU's progress in this game against USF. Two guys stood out to me, and I'm not uh, saying anything outlandish here, I don't think, but uh, I really enjoyed watching Gideon George get after it once again. He is going to be a star, folks. Whenever he figures everything out on the basketball court and it figures out BYU's system, you can pencil him in as a starter for BYU. I also really liked uh, Richard Harward down the stretch of this game. Five of eight from the field, 13 points, 11 rebounds. He was an absolute beast in the interior. San Francisco had no answer for him. He showed that soft touch off, soft touch around the rim to get some of those baskets to go and it was fantastic to see. The nice part about this is BYU's team right now goes at least nine, probably ten guys deep, and Mark Pope's letting those guys go. You've got Colby Lee and Matt Harms in the starting lineup in your front court, but off the bench, you got like Richard Harward coming in, Caleb Lohner, who's been an absolutely stellar rebounder. Those two are very good front court players. You also have Trevin Nell, Alex Barcelo, and Brandon Averett as your starting guard line. Well, on the bench, you've also got Gideon George, Spencer Johnson, and Connor Harding. This is a team that goes extremely deep, and the nice part is they're all getting a number of minutes here. I think the lowest on Saturday was Colby Lee with just 12 minutes in the game, but that's still double-digit minutes. He was one of three, uh, took two uh, threes from beyond the arc, missed both of them, finished with two points, but he was the lowest played in terms of minutes in this game. The depth of this bench for BYU is very encouraging, and hopefully it can continue to help them grind out wins when they find themselves in dogfights like they've had against St. Mary's and San Francisco. I was very impressed with both victories for the Cougars because they struggled in the first half of both of those games and very worrisome kind of how they went about things in the first half. But the nice part was they made adjustments in the locker room, came out, stuck with their game plan, stuck to their guns, and ground out victories. 
That is a very, very encouraging sign for BYU basketball. I really like what I'm seeing from this program right now. And the good news is they get ready to face off against Portland this week. The quote-unquote gauntlet they just ran should lighten up a little bit, and they should be able to pile up some wins here. But like I said, they cannot afford to fall on their face in any of these upcoming games against the lesser competition of the West Coast Conference. You do that, those will pretty much X out any good win you have on your resume, it feels like, because those sub-200 net rating losses, they are absolute killers when it comes to your chances of making the big dance. BYU needs to avoid any and all of those in the run up to the Gonzaga game coming up here. There will also be some tough games. San Francisco, the rematch against them, I think is going to be a tough one. Pepperdine's got some muscle. Uh, Pacific has given BYU fits in the past, and obviously Gonzaga. They're Gonzaga. San Francisco, also a good team. So there's going to be some battles upcoming for BYU, but they just need to keep piling up wins. And the nice part is as they continue to pile up wins, you'll continue to see that national prestige build for them. And that's a very, very positive sign for BYU. All right. Uh, so coming up this Thursday, BYU hosting Portland. We'll have more on that game on the Thursday edition of the podcast. We'll also continue to break down anything that comes out from BYU basketball. Media availability will let you hear from coaches and players. All of that good stuff coming up later this week. Coming up here in just a minute, though, we're going to talk about former Cougars and the pros. A number of former BYU Cougars played in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. How did they perform as four teams remain in the cha- in the chase for the Super Bowl? We'll examine all that ahead, and we'll also get to, I guess we'll call it part one of our debriefing with BYU's offensive line. I'm not sure it's going to be able to fit into just this podcast. It'll probably spill over into tomorrow's, and we'll get to more of that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at at betonline.ag, folks. We've talked a lot about this company, but if you guys are interested in getting in on the sports betting world, whether it's betting on college basketball, BYU basketball, or like NBA hoops, NFL playoffs, uh, MLB upcoming, no matter what it is, betonline.ag has got the solution for you. All you need to do is go to betonline.ag, sign up for a free account, and right now, when you use the promo code Locked On with your first deposit, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus courtesy of bet online guys they're giving you free money they're hooking you up with free money to bet with their site it's a great way to go about it give things a shot there's one place that we trust here on this podcast and that's betonline.ag give them a shot go to betonline.ag use the promo code locked on and get that 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit once again that's bet online your online sportsbook experts The divisional round of the NFL playoffs played out over the weekend with four teams now remaining in the conference championship games and their hopes of making it to the Super Bowl. And the nice part is, if you're a BYU fan, there are a number of former BYU Cougars still alive. On Saturday, the Buffalo Bills defeated the Baltimore Ravens, ending Tyson Williams' season. He spent the entirety of the year on practice squad for the Ravens. But the former BYU graduate transfer, a guy who I think BYU fans have very fond memories of despite his really short time in uniform for the Cougars. Here's hoping that he has a good offseason and he can stay on with the Ravens and really earn a roster spot going into the next season. On the other side of things on Saturday, the Green Bay Packers, uh, the number one seed in the NFC, took down the Los Angeles Rams 32-18. to Jamal Williams, part of that three-headed uh, monster at running back for the Packers, had 65 yards on 12 carries, really had a strong day running the ball. It was fun to see him out there getting tough 
yards and having a good outing. Aaron Jones, their lead back, had 99 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Dillon, the other back in that triumvirate, had 27 yards. But Jamal, folks, I'm not sure what's going to happen with his status in free agency upcoming, that type of stuff, but he is proving that he can be a more than capable running back at the NFL level, and he's just making himself more and more valuable and probably going to find himself staying either with the Green Bay Packers or finding opportunities to play elsewhere. That's the positive news if you're Jamal Williams. So at least one Cougar remains alive and is the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in Jamal Williams on the NFC side of things. But now on the other side, you can have multiple options in this game. And I'm wondering what's going to happen on the AFC side of things. Daniel Sorensen started for the Kansas City Chiefs as they beat the Cleveland Browns in a nail biter 22 to 17. Sorensen started the game, as I said, made six tackles, had one quarterback curry, and then one forced fumble that, I'll be honest, folks, it should have been targeting. It should have been illegal use of the helmet. He went head first and hit the Cleveland Browns player and did force the fumble. Let's be clear about that. And it went through the end zone for the touchback, which that rule needs to be changed. That's just my personal opinion, but we'll leave that to the side. But Daniel Sorensen uh, really had a strong outing for the Chiefs in this game. Uh, the Chiefs are the favorite to re Pete and make it back to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, but Patrick Mahomes' health status after taking that shot to the head will be very interesting to see what happens there, but Daniel Sorensen having a solid, solid game, continues to get it done. I think this is his seventh year in the pros, and just continuing to get it done for Andy Reid and the Chiefs, and obviously Andy Reid, a former BYU lineman, a graduate assistant for the Cougars, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. On the losing side of that game, Sione Takitaki did start at will linebacker. He finished with five tackles in the loss. A strong sophomore season for Sione Taki, Taki in his second year in the NFL. Here's the hope and that he continue to build on that and move forward in his career. He really kind of played a reserve role as a rookie, really learning the system for the Browns. But this year, I thought, broke out and had a really strong campaign. Who can forget a week ago when he had that pick six that, uh, that LeBron James was giving him a shout out on Twitter? That would make any kid of his ilk extremely happy and Sione Taki Taki still living the dream folks and it's great to see then in the final game of the weekend the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New Orleans Saints and Taysom Hill was inactive for this game with a knee injury disappointing to see his season end without him on the field but Sounds like Drew Brees' season may be done in his career. Maybe done, not his season. His season is done, duh. But his career may be done. Does that mean that Taysom Hill is the presumed starter for the New Orleans Saints going into the 2021 season in the NFL? Uh, the money they paid him on that two-year deal, it was an average of $10.5 million per year. It was a $21 million deal, deal over two years. That screams to me that they're going to give him every opportunity to earn that job. Will Jameis Winston factor into this? Could they draft a quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft to compete with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston? There are going to be a number of options out there for the New Orleans Saints. Could they sign a free agent to come in and battle for this? But if Drew Brees is indeed done as multiple reports suggest if he's going to call it a career man Taysom Hill get yourself ready young man because you have been a lightning rod I guess is a good term to talk about what he has done in New Orleans there are a lot of people who love what he does he's electric when he's having a good game there's nothing like it on Twitter because people are just so divisive on him they love him or hate him and there is no in between it feels like with regards to Hill but I think that he has proven his versatility his skill set is something that can be used 
used by the Saints. And here's hoping that he gets an opportunity going into next season to prove himself and establish himself as a starter. He is pretty old for a backup quarterback. He's what going to be 32 or 33 upcoming uh, pretty soon. No, actually not even 32, maybe 31, excuse me. But regardless, Taysom has got some time here to prove himself. He's going to have a really important offseason this year to kind of establish himself in the pecking order. I do think that the money that the Saints paid him indicates that they believe he can become the guy for New Orleans. We'll see if Sean Payton delivers on that belief and if Taysom can deliver on the belief in him as a player. But... I'm interested. This offseason will be very, very offseason will be very, very interesting for a kid like Taysom Hill to go out and be able to say, you know what, this is my chance to stake claim as a true starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And how fantastic of a storyline will that be if he finally makes good on this and becomes the face of the Saints franchise after all the years with Drew Brees leading them back to glory? They came up a little bit short in their quest to make it to another Super Bowl, obviously. But we'll see. A very key offseason upcoming for a number of former BYU Cougars. But I don't think there's anything bigger than what Taysom Hill did uh, for the Saints. And we'll find out more about him as the offseason rolls on. So there you go. Coming up this weekend, you will have the Buccaneers taken on the Green Bay Packers. So Jamal Williams will be in action on the NFC side of things. And then the AFC, you're going to have Daniel Sorensen and Andy Reid for the Chiefs uh, taking on the Buffalo Bills, who don't have a former Cougar on their side of things. So, there's a chance you'll see at least one quarter, one player in the Super Bowl if both favorites, actually, no, it'd be two favorites, uh, both the Packers and the Chiefs, if they advance to the Super Bowl as the number one seed suggest, well, you'd have Cougars on both sides of the field in the Super Bowl. If the upsets happen, no Cougars in the Super Bowl. And that'd be kind of suck to see, but we'll find out. It'll be very interesting to track this, and we'll continue to break it down for you guys in the coming week as things get closer to those games, and obviously back here next Monday, we'll recap whatever happens in both the AFC and the NFC Championship games. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we continue on with our debriefings from the 2020 football season for BYU football. This is going to be a pretty big one. We might spread it out to tomorrow's podcast as well, so we'll probably call this next one part one of this discussion talking about BYU's offensive line and whatever we don't get to today within our time constraints we'll get to tomorrow so stay tuned for that here in just a moment today's show though is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar guys I had a Built Bar just before I sat down to record this podcast it was a cookies and cream and I have to say yet again another delicious flavor from our friends at Built Bar I'll tell you what, I, I talk about these built bars all the time, and I had a conversation with a buddy over the weekend who said, Jake, you cannot be serious about enjoying these built bars as much as you do. And I said, like, No, dude, I enjoy them. And I actually gave him one of mine. I don't remember what flavor I gave him. It might have been the, what did I give him? Was it lemon almond cheesecake? It's one of my personal favorites. And he said, This thing's actually pretty dang good. I'm like, I told you so, dude. They're fantastic. So give them a shot, folks. Give Built Bar an opportunity. The best part is it's a Utah homegrown company. They're based right in American Fork. So the best part is when you get them shipped, they're going to be to your front door pretty quick if you live here along the Wasatch Front. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON when you place that order and save yourself 20% on your next order of Built Bars. They're high in fiber, high in protein. 
protein, low sugar, low calories. They're the perfect complement for wherever you're at in your health journey. If you're a guy like me who's trying to shed some weight, trying to maintain weight, you're on the keto diet, no matter what it is, Built Bar is the perfect solution for you. So give them a shot. Once again, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Save yourself 20% and enjoy the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. All right, folks, our BYU football debriefing sessions continue today with the offensive line, and this is going to be a pretty long discussion, so likely we'll have a part two of this discussion on tomorrow's Tuesday edition of the podcast, so if we don't get to all this and you feel like the end of it, well, Jake, you didn't finish talking about it, well, tune in tomorrow and we'll get to more of it, but what we do with these, and we talked a little bit about them last week, is we're looking back at 2020 for each position group for BYU and then projecting ahead to 2021, this coming fall season for the Cougars and players that were lost, players that are incoming, all that stuff. We're going to discuss that. So let's start off first off with the players outgoing from the offensive line for BYU. you got a trio of guys who are pursuing their NFL dreams. A fourth probably is going to pursue it, but I'm not sure how it's going to work out for him. The fourth guy is Kiefer Longson, a guy who's been a career backup for the most part for the Cougars, was a highly touted offensive lineman coming in from Doherty Valley High School in San Ramon, California. Things never really panned out for Kiefer after his mission, but if he wants to chase the NFL, more power to him, and I wish him nothing but the best. But the trio I'm talking about pursuing their pro aspirations is headlined by none other than Brady Christensen. The consensus All-American for BYU is an absolute stud for the Cougars at left tackle. He's now training in Dallas with Duke Robinson, one of the premier trainers of offensive linemen, especially for the NFL draft. And Brady, I'm really excited to see what he can do for the Cougars. He was a fourth-year junior for BYU at a bountiful high school, and here's hoping that he can deliver on the belief that he is a top three-round draft pick. I'm hoping that everything tests out well for him. He is going to be joined by Chandon Herring, another offensive tackle slash offensive guard prospect. Uh, He is training now in Dallas, getting ready. uh, Not Dallas. He's training in Denver, excuse me, another D. uh, But he is training in Denver for the upcoming draft. And Chandon, everything I've heard about him is some teams love him. Other teams don't like him. It's just it's a matter of finding the right team for him doesn't necessarily have the uh, the longest arms that you want to see on an offensive tackle, but has all the athleticism you want to see otherwise. So very interested to see where Chandon Herring ends up, and best of luck to him in his training. And then finally, Tristan Hodge, uh, solidly either a center or an offensive guard prospect, Tristan has been an absolute stud since showing up at BYU as that transfer from Notre Dame. Here's hoping that he finds himself a spot in the NFL. Health has not been on his side during his time as a Cougar. He's dealt with multiple injuries, but the hope is he can prove to NFL teams that I was effective even though I was injured and he can go out there and play at a high level for an NFL franchise. I wish nothing but the best for at least those three, and I even wish the best for Kiefer Longson outgoing. Other guys not expected to be part of this offensive line moving forward include Keanu Saliapaga as well as Elijah Unatoa. Talking with some people around the program, Keanu Saliapaga, he had multiple injury concerns this year and then returned to the lineup for a brief period before disappearing once again. It appears that his academics issues have caught up with him and it looks like his time at BYU might be done. I'm not going to say that he's done done, like absolutely he can't make it up because there's always a chance that if he got his butt in gear, he 
could get going and get back onto the team. But as it stands right now, I'm not expecting him to remain at BYU. He would be a guy I would keep an eye on with regards to going into the transfer portal. Additionally, in talking with people around the program, some sources, Elijah Unatoa, one of the incoming offensive linemen in the recruiting class, has decided that he wants to step away from football. Just felt like his heart wasn't in it and he moves on. His older brother, Mo Unatoa, was a transfer from Utah, came down to BYU ostensibly to play with his younger brother, but Elijah Unatoa has decided he wants to move on here. So Mo Unatoa remains as a BYU Cougar. And I think there's a significant hole there in that recruiting class because there was really big hopes for a kid like Eli Unatoa to come in and hopefully challenge for playing time right away, coming off a mission, etc. But as it stands, he's decided that football is not in his future plans and wish him nothing but the best as he moves forward here. So where does that leave BYU? Well, it leaves you with two proven options, I feel like, along this offensive line, those being both Clark Barrington at left guard as well as James Empey at center. And those are two solid guys to build around. The bigger question mark is the offensive tackles. Who is going to replace uh, both Brady Christensen at left tackle as well as Chandon Herring at right tackle? And I know that Herring moved inside for multiple parts of the season due to injuries on the interior of the offensive line, and that pushed Blake Freeland uh, back into action. But those two question marks are huge ones, especially for a new quarterback, whoever's going to start for the Cougars, whether it's Jaron Hall, Jacob Conover, Baylor Romney. They need to know that both uh, tackle positions are going to be solid, especially left tackle protecting their backsides, protecting their blind side there. It's a very important thing. A guy like Brady Christensen, he was that ultimate uh, stud at left tackle who you knew as a quarterback, speaking of Zach Wilson, my backside's covered here. My, my blind side, it's very rare that Brady's going to give something up and I should be able just to focus on what's happening around me, in front of me, and make the play. That's something that you need to rely on as a quarterback and to have that in your back pocket, to have that assurance knowing, hey, that side of the offensive line is solid. It, it, it's something that you need. And I feel like the left side of BYU's offensive line should be pretty solid with a guy like Clark Barrington holding down that left guard spot. Whoever's playing alongside him at tackle will have a proven option right next to them. The center position is very important. I think that James Empey is going to be a solid guy on the interior, a great leader for an otherwise unproven unit going into 2021. And I really like those two to reprise their roles. Obviously, Clark is coming off an injury that he suffered late in the season. Everything I have heard that he will be full go by the time spring ball is here. James Empey also dealt with some injury concerns, an ankle issue most of all, but he should be fully healthy by the time spring ball is here. So both of them should be able to go into spring ball fully healthy and just kind of establish themselves as, hey, we're the new guys on the block here along this offensive line. Now, who will be leading this offensive line as a coach is another question we need to talk about because we need to continue on with this discussion of the other players who are going to be in in the mix with this, but we are running out of time on today's podcast. So what I have heard on the offensive line coach position is BYU's taking their time here. We'll get to more players here in a moment. Well, actually, we'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm, I'm not going to say we're going to get to it in a moment because we won't. We'll get to it on tomorrow's podcast. But the offensive line coach is something I think BYU is going to be very careful and very uh, 
diligent about finding the right guy. They don't feel like they need to make a rushed hire here because the recruiting dead period is still in effect. Coaches cannot travel right now. And BYU, yeah, they have two current uh, coaching positions open, but I don't think that they're necessarily going to be, okay, we need to get that field right now. If they felt that way, you probably would have already seen the hires made. But BYU is going to comb through their options, especially along this offensive line coach position. As I said last week, I believe, on the podcast, The thing with this hire of the offensive line coach is that when Jeff Grimes was at BYU, he was your quote-unquote assistant offensive line coach. The offensive line has been his bread and butter his entire coaching career. He's thought of as one of the top five, if not the top three, offensive line coach in the entire country. And he always had a young guy like... uh, Eric Mateos or Ryan Pugh working alongside him. BYU could take that gamble on a young dynamic coach who could really recruit and rely on the fact that Jeff Grimes can keep them in line and help them out. Now, without Jeff Grimes and that quote-unquote backstop there to help out the offensive line, you need a more experienced coach. So that'll be a very interesting hire to see who BYU ultimately lands on. But I do believe that BYU is going to lean more on experience this go-around at offensive line versus youth and charisma and recruiting prowess. Obviously, you want those things, but you need a guy who is experienced and can handle this position because it's it's one of the hardest position groups to handle. You have five different guys you are responsible for as an offensive line coach, so you need to be able to have that experience and be that steady force that's out there to keep these guys in line. So we'll see what happens, but I don't expect BYU to make a hire right away. They don't. They'll probably make one in the lead up to National Signing Day, I would imagine, but don't expect them to really rush through it. They will be smart about this and obviously the hiring process of BYU already takes long enough considering you have to go through multiple rounds of interviews it feels like to make sure you are cleared and get the green light from who's who of BYU brass to give you the go ahead even though it should really matter to two people but that's just my opinion All right. anyway so there you go some of my thoughts on the offensive line as I said I was going to run out of time today so on tomorrow's podcast we'll examine more of the guys who are going to fill in for those empty slots especially at offensive tackle as well as at least one position at offensive guard for BYU. But nonetheless, a big thank you for your support of the podcast as always. I hope you guys are all having a great Martin Luther King Jr. Day whenever you hear this and have a great rest of your day whenever you hear it. I hope you guys are doing well, staying smart, staying safe. Let's all do our part to keep our communities healthy and hopefully we'll have fans back in the stands as soon as this fall. All right, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for January 18th, 2021 and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.